This is a CJSR podcast. I don't know. It was it was like I always had people like really appreciate what I do and really like love what I do, but they wouldn't really know how to like put me on a bill. Like, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not too sure now how receptive people are going to be. But I mean, yeah, I'll be curious to find out. Hey, I'm B-Boye Onanuga, and this is High Level Hip Hop, fresh music from CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. How many of you out there have ever felt alone, disenfranchised, and underrepresented? This week's artist has experienced a lot of that and is hoping our music scene can be better represented and inclusive. On top of that, they're doing it all themselves, creating and crafting their own experimental brand of music, coupled with their own meaningful and cathartic message. This is Please Be Nice. To fill us in on this week's guest, we caught up with high-level hip-hop producer, Tristan Cruz. Hey Tristan, how's it going? It's going great, Bibelier. Nice to catch up with you. How have you been doing? What have you been up to lately? Well, let me tell you, after chatting with this week's guest, please be nice, I got inspired and tried to do some bedroom beat making myself and tried playing around with the guitar loops and beats. And how'd it go? <laughs> well, let's just say I won't be quitting my day job anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. There's a lot that goes into production. Definitely. I have a newfound respect and admiration for all the other bedroom beat makers and DIY producers out there, especially Please Be Nice. Iris, or Please Be Nice, as she's better known on stage, is a local self-described experimental and DIY artist pushing the boundaries on what hip hop can sound like. When I caught up with her, she ran me through her creative process, both in how she comes up with all her unique soundscapes and how her experiences have influenced her songwriting. Hmm. I understand that she's been through quite a bit this past year, pandemics notwithstanding. Totally. Her courage to redefine herself is admirable, and I'm grateful that she was willing to share her story with us. Cool. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, let's hit it. everyone, I'm Tristan Cruz, and thanks for tuning into the High Level Hip Hop Podcast. Uh, we're joined here today by local Alberta-based experimental hip hop artist, Please Be Nice. Hi, Please Be Nice. How's it going? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. Yeah, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, I want to take our listeners back to around this time last year in July 2020. You released an album entitled I Love You So Much. In the lead up to that, you released a single sort of every month. And it sounds like that was a preordained release schedule. So I'm, we're curious, like, why would you, why tease your album in that way? Yeah, for sure. Okay, one thing I should note, though, is that the thing I realized is that my goal was to release a single every month. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like such like big brain marketing move. But then like, I literally, because I put out Skeletons in April, and then I waited a month. 
And then I put out Why Does Love It End? And then I didn't put out any more singles. So be totally honest, like the single a month was just like an idea I had and mm-hmm. I was like hoping to do it. And then it was just like the way I was working on the album, especially because um, when I was creating that album, it was like my first full length project. So I was like, okay, it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be amazing. And of course I mix everything myself. So I was like putting in like finishing touches. And then once I put in those finishing touches, I put in more finishing touches. So that being said, yeah, doing the one month a single, like putting out a single a month, it, it seemed like a cool idea at first, but then I tried it and I was like, ah, I don't like this. This is not, <laughs> it is not working. So yeah. Okay. Fair. So did the teasers provide like early insights about how the album would be received then? Yeah, I, I would say so for sure. Cause I know even um, like looking back now, a lot of people's favorite tracks from the album are like, why does love it end finite? uh mr rogers went to heaven which are all like really heavy songs like they're not like they're not like tracks you'd like hear like in the club or something like they're totally like slow burners you put them on maybe on a drive at night and it's just you like that's totally the vibe so yeah it's yeah i i think people's reception of the teaser is like totally played into the reception of the album for sure oh awesome and so you're mentioning that was like, is your first album and it was kind of your first foray mm-hmm. into it. Like, what, what did you learn from that album recording process? Okay. Honestly, I learned so much. The biggest thing I learned is to like, not be as worried about making it perfect. And I think mm-hmm. the thing is, is that what I was trying to make perfect was like, let's say, <laughs> so funny. Let's say I like recorded a, a vocal take and it sounded like 90% good. And I was like, oh, I'll just fix it in post. You know, that's of course the <laughs> saying. But like the thing that I tried to focus on, because right now uh, I'm like just wrapping up an EP and then the EP is going to be released uh, this September. So with my EP, what I was trying to do with it is really just like, yeah, really try to focus more on things like getting really solid recording takes and then getting really good mixes, trying to not overthink it too much in mm-hmm. general. And then, like, how would you say you've uh, you've grown from that experience then? Yeah, uh, I had to think. I mean, the biggest thing is just I, I've been really learning to use projects as learning experiences and to mm-hmm. like, because I think it's easy after you put out something and after you grow as an artist to be like, oh, that old thing I did sucked. But like, I think it's a much more, I think you really owe it to yourself to say like, you know what, that thing, I put out a year ago like it maybe doesn't reflect where I'm at now but like Hmm. I really learned a lot from it and it was a huge learning experience because like learning experiences are amazing and like Mm -hmm. I think we as humans need to value them more because like yeah I think we can learn so much just from like creating art in general and that's a whole whole other conversation but In addition to releasing an album and singles over the last year, I understand you changed your pronouns. That's a huge, that's a huge step. So yeah. can you talk us through making that, that big step and then, and the experience of that, and then also doing that during a pandemic? <laughs> it's, it's been a lot. It's really, really been a lot. Lots of therapy, mm-hmm. lots of conversations with my queer friends. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really been a lot. It's something that I've, kind of always wanted to do and I kind of always known I kind of always had an inkling I was trans and then really wasn't until like um 
last year around it would have been may so like may 2020 uh where i really started thinking more about it and really started having conversations with my partner about it um and the effect it's had uh especially being during the pandemic is just like yeah it, it, it was really really hard not being able to like see my friends physically after coming out because i think um especially in the queer community just having those like chosen families is like so so important so that was really tough and um yeah it's something i'm really looking forward to now is just like being able to see my friends and stuff just hug them that's gonna be so good um <laughs> but yeah so yeah and it's i mean the biggest effect it's had is on my music for sure like i definitely mm -hmm. have been embracing um playing around with gender norms more and gender roles mm -hmm. um like yeah yeah and i guess you were mentioning before like you like because of the pandemic it sort of helped spurn it on do you feel mm -hmm. like the pandemic was just the right time Did, were you tempted to do to do it before and then make the the change beforehand or defer it in, so to speak until we can see each other yeah. and hug each other that kind of thing totally i i gotta think I mean, in all honesty, like I think the pandemic, why, like the positive part about it and why it's been so good is because um, we've all had time to sit with ourselves and really kind of like take stock of where we're at. Like I know that I'm only 20 years old, but still I think just taking a moment to just be like, okay, what has my life been up to this point? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a very like, I don't know. I'm a very, I like yeah I don't want to say existential because it sounds so negative but I'm definitely the type of person who really likes to keep in mind that like there is an end um and that the present is the most important thing um so it's something I really try to keep in mind but that being said um as far as me coming out yeah I think the pandemic was a perfect time because I just had time to sit with myself and really think about like how I see myself and yeah, I just kind of realized, I was like, this is what I am. And yeah, so I mean, if the pandemic wouldn't have happened, would I have come out? Totally, yeah, but I, I mean, who's to say, honestly? But yeah, I think that's been like, uh, it's definitely been a huge positive of the pandemic amidst everything that's been <laughs> horribly negative about it is that we've all had time to sit with ourselves. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really happy for you. Totally. Thanks. Um, and I'm just curious then, like, how has your fan base or support network uh, been since that announcement? Has it changed anyway? Has it grown? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that uh, I just got more queer fans now, which is great. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I I follow a lot of queer musicians and I know mm -hmm. how much it means for me to have musicians to look up to. And yeah. if I could, if I, <laughs> it's pretty insane to think that there's maybe there that looks up to me as a queer musician and that's that's crazy to think about yeah i i've i've definitely noticed that it's gotten queer but that being said even my fans that aren't queer it's like they've just been accepting out of it and they've just been like okay cool you know because i mean like at the end of the day it doesn't really change a ton like it's like i'm still the same person i've i've always been this way i'm just being honest about it now so And uh, so you kind of teased us there. You said you have some, uh, like an EP coming out in September. What can yeah. we expect from, from any upcoming material? 
Yeah, the EP, like my my goal with it from the start was just to like showcase my wide ability as a producer and like my sort of like uh, like a Swiss Army knife set of skills. Like the first track is like a sample based hip hop track. And then the second track is like kind of like a hyper pop thing. And then the third track is like a direct hyper pop thing. And then there's like a there's like a sound collage on there, like but it's it's only six tracks so i i wanted to make something that was also super 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 concise there's nothing more there's nothing less just like really really concise okay and i think we were talking about earlier like you had mentioned you started learning instruments and were like playing yeah. a bit more instrumentation on on this new album like what was that like sort of like learning new instruments and like and then hitting record on like this new skill <laughs> it's funny because uh one of the tracks on the ep uh called can't believe i found you actually it's the track i recorded for this podcast oh, uh, awesome yeah so can't believe i found you uh how that came about is like i needed some guitar and like at this point i'd been playing guitar for like a few months but the thing is is that like the majority of my time goes to production so i was barely even like spending that much time learning it so if you listen to the guitar, like it, it, it sounds really crappy, but like what I wanted to do is I really wanted to create like a time capsule of where I was at. And I think like just having this guitar sound and also the bass too, because I also started playing bass right around the same time I started playing guitar, which was like pretty much just like kind of towards the end of last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, like the bass and guitar on the track, they're they're both like really not that good. And they're both like super, super basic, which is cool. But mm -hmm. I think um, just something about it, I think it just really captures like a certain certain feeling. And that's why I love it so much. And that's why I think both those instruments in the track sound so beautiful. And like a lot of your material, like self-described and just speaking with you, you can, it's, it's got that DIY sense and like we're saying yeah, it's, it's experimental totally. and you're like, you're handing a lot of that production and mastering yourself. Like you're talking about how you've been like learning these new skills and trying and growing. Like what has been the process overall been like, like has the production been intuitive for you or has that been part of the growing process too? <laughs> totally a part of the growing process. I think the number one thing I struggle with by far is like, Cause I definitely consider myself like an experimental artist, but the number one thing I struggle with is like, okay, what do I make experimental and what do I not make experimental? Like, mm -hmm. what are things like, mm -hmm. it's just so hard. Like, oh my gosh. Like I think, um, and it's something I'm probably going to struggle with for, you know, as, as long as I'm putting out art, like, I think it's just one of those things. It's super difficult, but, but yeah. So I definitely think that the production, it was like, it was intuitive in the way that like, I just, I kind of have a, I don't know. Like I, I, I have just such a strong urge to make music. And a lot of the time when I am making music, it's not even like I'm directly inspired by like, oh, I saw this movie and I want to write a song about it. Like, it's always like, oh, this thing gave me a feeling and I want to capture that feeling. So yeah, I, I, I think the most intuitive part is just following that feeling. Um, but besides that, yeah, everything else is like, <laughs> typically a lot of work and it's a lot of like 
uh, yeah, songs usually never sound the same uh, compared to where they began. Interesting, an evolving process. And mm-hmm. so like you mentioned, <clears throat> like choosing when to be experimental and then when not to be, that's like, I imagine that's gotta be a really tough balance to strike. Like, how do you equate that? Like, how do you, how do you know what the sweet spot is? <laughs> I don't, it's so <laughs> hard. Like it, it's, it's so funny because sometimes the answer to being experimental is just like not doing anything experimental. It's literally just like doing something uh, that's not experimental. And then somehow it fits into something and it makes it experimental in a way, which is something that I don't know if I really understand right now, but yeah, I'm constantly trying to figure it out. Right on. And so we've talked a lot about, uh, about the production. I'm curious mm-hmm. then what, what comes easier to you, writing the lyrics or producing the beats? Um, okay. Honestly, I would say depends, like depends Mm -hmm. on where I'm at. Like I think pre pandemic when, you know, there was way more going on in the way of like, just like we were doing more stuff, seeing more people. Mm -hmm. It was so much easier to write because it would be like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. But like ever since the pandemic began, it's just like, what are we, what are like, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, it feels like Groundhog Day a, a lot of the time. So that's why I think, yeah, definitely production in the past year has come easier for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. And I've definitely been finding that like, especially just as I, as I keep just like unpacking and healing, just like my trauma, mm-hmm. I find that the more I do that, it really plays into my writing. So mm-hmm. like, I always find that like, <laughs> after like a really good therapy session, I'll like go back to like a beat or something I made like, I don't know, like a week ago and then I'll write something to it. So yeah, that's kind of usually my process, honestly. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty cool process. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. And now a lot of your songs then are kind of, you're mentioning are kind of uh, rooted in that self-empowerment and mm-hmm. I'm just curious like why focus it in on that as your narrative theme for your lyrics um I gotta think a lot of it comes from um, my process when I write which is a lot of the time when I write uh, I tend to think about like okay what would a listener want to hear mm-hmm. um, I mean that's not every track but definitely tracks like um, Mr. Rogers went to heaven that one for sure I was like okay, if I was listening to a song, what would I want to hear? And just like, um, yeah, I, I thought of the lyric, you are you are not a mistake. I thought it would be like super comforting for a listener to hear that. I'm curious behind the, the sort of uh, the writing process mm-hmm. and and also like why it's important for you to sort of capture that that adversity that you've had to overcome in, in the lyrics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's important because, I mean, I really care about it. And I think that's the most important thing because, I mean, I hope that if I care about it, that other people would care about it. And I don't expect, I don't expect everyone to care about it and that's okay. But yeah, I know how important it is for me to hear about um, what other people have overcome for sure. Like, and I know even just, even just growing up listening to hip hop, like that was the number one thing I learned was just like really listening to other people and what they've been through and really just like empathizing with them yeah hip-hop's amazing that's like yeah that's like totally yeah just incredible mm-hmm. I love it. that's gonna be the tagline of the season hip-hop is incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, awesome. And so thank you for sharing all these things you've had to sort of overcome and battle. And I'm just curious then, like, what are some of the biggest artistic challenges you've had to overcome thus far? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is that since I do everything myself and I really try to do as much of the process as I can myself, uh, the biggest thing I've had to overcome is like getting over my pride and asking for help when I need it. And taking breaks too, because I think it's really easy, especially when you're an artist like me who's on the come up. I think it's super easy to just be like, okay, I got to work 24 seven until I make it a living. But I mean, you need to, you got to preserve your health. Like literally health is wealth. If you don't have health, then like, like it's so hard. It's just so hard to live like that. It's a good message. Yeah, I think. Self-care goes a long way these days, right? Yeah, 100%, So we've kind of talked a bit about like your material and sort of breaking through into the scene. And I'm just curious mm -hmm. then, like what has it been like as a local artist getting started? What has the scene been like for you? Has it been receptive, inclusive, or, or contrary to that? I remember I started performing as a local artist in like June, 2019. So, and then I was performing for the year, just a ton of shows. And then, um, and then the pandemic happened and then I came out as trans. So, I mean, yeah. So what I'm getting at is that when I like was performing and the last time I performed, it was when I was still, you know, in the closet. So right. I think at the time people were more receptive for sure, but it would be like, I don't know. It was it was like I always had people like really appreciate what I do and really like love what I do, but they wouldn't really know how to like put me on a bill. Like <laughs> it's just <laughs> funny. Like I would play shows like um, where it would be me and then it would be like uh, like an alternative rock band mm. and then uh, like a psych rock band. And it's like this. This isn't entirely like my vibe, but like it was like it was cool for sure. It was like totally cool. So, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not too sure now how receptive people are going to be. But I mean, yeah, I'll be curious to find out once. Yeah. Once shows start happening again, which I'm very, very excited to perform. Um, are there any things about the local music scene that you'd like to change? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that it's definitely. Um, there just isn't enough queer representation, I think. And I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think the people who are at the top of the scene, um, it's mostly male, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see queer representation, you know, whether non-binary, two-spirit, um, also more female representation, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. And yeah, I think just more accountability too, honestly, like, um, yeah, just really being honest and people just really being honest with themselves. Like, um, like if someone's friends with an abuser, just really thinking about like, okay, why am I friends with this person and why do I support this person? So yeah, definitely more accountability for sure. And I mean, these are things that they aren't just like an Edmonton exclusive. Like it's totally mm -hmm. like, um, like as a worldwide thing, honestly. So mm -hmm. Do you feel like the scene is safe enough? Ooh, that's a big question. That's a really big question. I, <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know. That's a huge question because it's like, um, well, I mean, and that even brings up the conversation of safe spaces and like, mm -hmm. are safe spaces even possible? Because it's like, I think a lot of people view safe spaces as these like super just like fantasy spaces where nothing happens and like no abusers get let in or anything. But it's like, mm -hmm. I think safe spaces are just something we strive towards, you know, like safe spaces, I think definitely are in my opinion, they're just something you strive towards for sure. So do I think that the Edmonton scene is safe? Um, I'm going to go with no, but the reason I think that is just because I am queer. And I think, you know, if you're like a cishet white male, you probably feel more safe than me. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's just the perspective I'm coming from. And mm -hmm. I, I definitely do think it can become more safe and who knows, maybe even um, like, maybe I'll like look back on this in a year and be like, what was I talking about? Things got <laughs> so much better. So yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in the future with the scene. So yeah. Yeah. I think we can all strive and hope for the best and thank you yeah. for, for, for sharing that. For sure. For sure. Do you have any advice or what would be your message for anyone wanting to break into the scene and who like for fellow DIY producers and bedroom yeah, makers? For sure. For sure. I think the number one thing is like, if you can find some posters uh, for like open mics and stuff, check those out. If you have a friend who goes to shows, just like <laughs> nag them to invite you. And like, yeah, if you gotta, if you gotta borrow your mom's car to go to a show, if you gotta, take a few buses to go to a show like trust me it's worth it like honestly I've had some like uh just some like really life-changing experiences at shows and just meeting more artists and yeah I think in art especially like community is so important I think um a lot of people just like view the internet as community and then that's it but like the internet's amazing of course but I personally value like a lot of just like face-to-face -face and just like being in a, being in like a physical space with a ton of artists. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. And so, so powerful. It, it just makes you feel like you can do anything. And so if people want to find out more about please be nice, where can they go? Yeah. Uh, you can look up, please be nice. Yo on all socials, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I've not updated the Facebook page in probably a year, but I am on Facebook too. And then if you want to look me up on Spotify, Apple Music, you just look up, please be nice. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the High Level Hip Hop Podcast today. Please be nice. We're all looking forward to uh, your upcoming shows and releases. And I know we definitely can't wait to hear this exclusive track that you've recorded for our show. So thank you again. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. And now here's Can't Believe I Found You from Please Be Nice, recorded live this summer at CGSR Studios.
And that's all for our show today. Thanks again to Please Be Nice. Today's show was produced by Tristan Cruz and myself, Biboye Onanube. High Level Hip Hop is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. The first two episodes of our series are out right now, so go check them out. And keep it locked to 88.5 FM Tuesdays at 9 p.m. for future episodes. Find us online at highlevelhiphop.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Instagram at highlevelhiphop. You can also email highlevelhiphop at gmail.com and let us know what you think of the show. Our artwork is done by Esther Di Malanta and original music 
by Sasha Liebrand. Special thanks to Miles Wilkinson for recording all the tracks. Until next time, bye humans. Thank you.